The following audio is from White River Christian Church. More information about White River is available on the WRCC mobile app or at wrcc.org. Well, good morning. Welcome again to White River Christian Church. My name is Andrew Smiley. I'm an executive pastor here, and it is great to have an opportunity to share God's Word with you. We love the stories in God's Word. And if there's anybody out there that loves to hear good stories, I bet you think to yourself, I live in a great time in the history of the world to see and hear stories. I mean, do you ever think about that? How there are just so many good stories that are told over and over and over again all around us all the time. I mean, you probably love the immensely popular Star Wars saga. I mean, who doesn't love that? I mean, in a galaxy far, far away, how could you not love how the stormtroopers battle the little cute cuddly teddy bear Ewoks who stand on two feet? I mean, that's just a wonderful story. I mean, if you're not a Star Wars fan, maybe you're a Lord of the Rings fan like me, and you just love the budding friendship between Gimli the dwarf and Legolas the elf, how those two people groups become, you know, friends over time. And if you've slogged through all the extended cut versions of those movies, congratulations. Um, You did a great job there. But I love those stories. I mean, we don't have little princesses at my house. We have two little boys. But uh, who doesn't love the story of Cinderella? I mean, after all, you have the fairy godmother who just goes around and gives out wishes. I mean, that is an amazing story, isn't it? I'm getting some puzzled looks like you think I've messed up some of these great stories on me. Like maybe I am missing something important as I'm telling these sagas. Now, of course, you cannot tell the story of Star Wars without the Skywalker family. You can't tell the Lord of the Rings without talking about hobbits. And you can't tell Cinderella without Cinderella. You kind of need her. She's important. Well, there are certain characters that we focus on because they are people we cannot miss in the story. And as I said, we are telling stories, the best stories over and over and over again this summer out here outside. And we are telling them from this great book, because from cover to cover, this book is a collection of all kinds of stories with one point, that God gives us grace. And that story is told over and over and over and over again on repeat. Now, one of the most well-known stories in this great book, you heard Christy tell it so well. It's only found in one place in Luke chapter 15. And so if you have a Bible and you you don't want to get it wet, I understand. Maybe go on your phone today or you can just follow along with us. I'm going to follow through this story. The story that is so often referred to as the prodigal son. That's what we call this story. But I'm wondering here today with all of you, is there something that we miss when we call it that? Is there something that we might have a tendency to just 
miss completely if we focus so much on this one prodigal son. Well, I'll tell you this. I think there is something so important that we miss if we focus on just this one son because it is so easy to miss. We miss it with all the stories sometimes that how easy it is to miss God's grace. And so as we go through this story, I want us to have our lenses on to see just how gracious God is, because this is not just a story about one son. It's really a story about God. So if you have a Bible, Luke chapter 15, you can follow along with me. And in Luke 15, it begins in verse 11 and says this to illustrate the point further. Jesus told them this story. So I want you to know Jesus was already telling lots of stories. And this is just one of a number of stories that he was telling that day. To real people in a real place in real time, Jesus told this story. But I do want you to note this is a story that's important because it isn't real. The story of the prodigal son is not something that actually happened This isn't about a real father and real sons and a real time and a real place. Jesus made it up. This is important. What's also important is Jesus tells us who this story is about right here in the first verse. He says, he told them this story. A man had two sons. Verse 11 tells us that this story is actually about A man who had two sons. In other words, a father. This story is about the father. It's not about one son or even both sons. It's about a father. And if you're discouraged thinking, well, why would Jesus make something up? I would turn it around and say, I think that makes what he's about to say even more important because he didn't take something that was real and say, you know, this is kind of like God. This is something that you need to know. Jesus engineered this story. He crafted this story so that you and I and the original listeners could hear exactly what we needed to hear about our heavenly father. And so every single detail of this story is important. And it tells us something because he crafted it just so. And so we can't miss anything. And if this well-known story about a prodigal son, we miss things even in the first verse. We can miss all kinds of stuff, can't we? And we need some help. So what else could we miss as we read this story today? Well, I would suggest even knowing the summary, knowing how the story goes, we have a good understanding of just how good God is. If the father in the story represents our heavenly father, and he certainly does, we miss the goodness of God. We totally miss it. Even the quick rereading shows us just how forgiving, just how good this father is, just how good God is. But I still think we miss it. In verse 12, it tells us that the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And to that first century audience, this would have horrified them. 
because they would have known all kinds of things. This isn't the 21st century where a father could go, you know, I can go talk to my financial advisor, cash out a little bit of my 401k and give you a check. That is complicated, but be a lot easier than what this father would have had to do. He would have had to actually parcel out his land, sell it to somebody else, figure out how to do all of these things. This was an incredible ask. And in breezing through this story, we can miss just that. But it's even more than that. It's when do you get an inheritance? When the father dies. This is such a difficult ask of this young son who said, I would rather you be dead so that I can live my life and do whatever I want to do. That would have just horrified the listeners that day when Jesus is telling this story. But you know what would have shocked them even more than that? The father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. As shocking as the son's behavior was, the father's behavior would have sent shockwaves to those listeners because there is no way in the world in that honor-shame culture in the ancient Middle East that would have ever happened. And that's how good our father is. He says, I am not here to control you. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I hope you trust me. I want a relationship with you. But if you don't want to have anything to do with me, you don't have to. That's how good the father is. He's not interested in controlling this younger son. And this is scandalous. And we know how the story goes. The son squanders all of the wealth. He, he jumps in with the pigs and he has this realization. And then verse 20, as we see this, he returns home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. What a beautiful picture. There's no way you can't not know this story and, and see how good good God is, but I think we still even miss the depth of how good this father, our God, is. Did you notice that this father doesn't even wait until the son repents? Did you notice that this father didn't say, oh man, could you get a shower first before I give you a hug because you smell? He didn't do that. He embraces his son immediately. And then he tells him and all of his servants, hey, go get the finest robe in the house. Well, who do you think would have had the finest robe in the house? That would have been his robe back in his closet. The father is so good, friends. We don't even understand how good God is. That's how good he is. And then there's all this talk of the fattened calf. Jesus mentions it three times in the story. There must be something really important here. Hey, go get the fattened calf. Did you make sure you killed the fatted calf? We're having a party with the fatted calf. He repeats it, repeats it. It's like, what is he talking about? That would have been such a big deal. I mean, they didn't have meat very often. I mean, this party was a party to end all parties. Like you might throw one or two of these in your whole lifetime. You know, you save the calf for the wedding, for the big blowout. But you know who wasn't there? The older son. 
As soon as he heard about it, his father would have expected him to come because who would have been there? The whole community would have been in this party at this celebration. And just like if you were having a wedding and your oldest son was not there, everyone would have said, where are they? What this older son did was just as shameful, left a mark on their family name just as much as this younger son. But did you notice that the father is so good, he ran out to the younger son. We know that part. But did you notice in verse 28 that this father treats everyone the same? His older son who's understandably pouting outside this party. I think we can understand it. Verse 28 says, the father came out and begged him to come in. The father ran out to the older son just as much as he ran out to see that younger son. He treats them the same and says to us how good he is. That is our God. That is how good he is. And it's so easy to miss the depths of his goodness. But that's not the only thing we miss. We miss something very important because as Jesus is telling a story, this is actually a parable, which means this is a story that Jesus makes up that has a point. And we're supposed to learn something. We're supposed to see God in it, and we're supposed to see ourselves in the story. And so one thing that we miss is we miss how we use God. That that is kind of our default. Because we look out for ourselves so much we don't pay attention to how we try to use God for our own benefit over and over and over again. And that's what we're supposed to see. We're supposed to see ourselves as a younger son or an older son. And I love uh, Pastor Tim Keller. He explains this parable. He preaches on this parable quite often. And I've learned a lot from him just through the lens of this passage in Luke 15. But he tells us that Jesus shows us just how sinful we are in the telling of a short story like this. And we can miss it. You see, the scandal, friends, is not how easy it is to see the sin of the younger brother. That's really easy. I mean, good night. The son says, I wish you were dead, dad. Can I have all your stuff and waste it away? I mean, that's easy to see. That's not the right thing to do. That offended the father. But what's harder to see is just how the older son did the same things. That at the end of the day, the older son used his good works. He used his obedience to try to control the father. And that's when my mind kind of starts to explode a little bit. It's easy for us to see a person who doesn't want anything to do with God as somebody who needs to be brought back into a good relationship with the father. It's a lot harder for us to see good church boys and girls who maybe do the right things as people who need to be brought back into a relationship with the father because we're like, well, look, they're doing the right thing. But Jesus, in this story, there's actually one son who doesn't end up in a good relationship with the father, or at least we don't know. And it's the older son. Because Jesus is saying in this parable, 
It doesn't matter how you live. If you've said, hey, God, I don't want anything to do with you. Or if you've said, you know, I really want to do the right thing with my life and I'm going to try my best. Jesus says this. You still need to be brought back to the Father. And this is a huge message that Jesus is saying. That the older son, all he really wanted was the father's things. He was mad that the father was wasting all this stuff. Just like the younger son just wanted the father's things. And the older son wanted the father's things, not the father. And Jesus is telling all of us, the only thing God wants is a relationship with you. And you don't earn a relationship through doing the right thing for your whole life. That doesn't earn you anything. And neither does doing whatever you want. So Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done in your life. If you've said, forget you, God, or if you've been in church every single week of your life and gone to every service project, he says, even your good works aren't what I'm after. And this is when our head starts to hurt saying, wow, this is incredible. I thought this was just a simple story, but Jesus goes so deep, we can't explore the depths of how much he shares about God's grace in this story. And we miss it. But there's something else that I missed. I just began to realize as I've been studying this story, we miss our need for a perfect older brother. And I miss this because I've seen it over and over as the older son is pouting about the things. And in verse 31, the father tells him, look, son, you have always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. And that's when we know why he's so upset, the older son. Because back when the father divided the wealth and gave his younger son the wealth, the older son what the father was saying here is literally true. Everything I have is yours, older son. And so the older son is thinking, I paid for this party. That's my fattened calf. All of these things. And what we see here is not that we should model our life after the older brother. No. But there is a need for you and I to have a perfect older brother who can pay for that party that we need that will bring reconciliation between our heavenly father and us, no matter if we act like the younger son or if we are more like the older son in life, that we need a perfect older brother to help us be reconciled with the father. And that is exactly what God has provided through his son, Jesus. It's easy to miss. It's so easy to miss these things in a simple story that maybe we've heard hundreds of times or even a few times. But we can't miss how central Jesus is to our life, how good God is how he defines our sin differently and shows us grace upon grace upon grace because it's so easy to miss this 
grace. I love how it's put in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Listen to this, verse 9, it says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. And he did this not because we deserve it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Jesus became man, took on our sin, paid the penalty for that sin so that we could have a right relationship with God, that Jesus is that perfect older brother for all of us. And that this story shows us just how much we need God, how far away from God we really are, and just how good our Heavenly Father is. He's not waiting up in heaven to strike us with lightning once we do something wrong or we sin, or even the motivation for our good things is off. No, we have a picture perfectly crafted, perfectly engineered by Jesus to show us this is who God is, and he is for you. He is running after you. No matter which son you are or where you would be, maybe some days you're over here and other days you're over there, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you know all the stories in here or not. It doesn't matter if you know the definition of grace or not. It doesn't matter if you know how deep grace really is. You can't understand that anyway. Because that's not what earns you a relationship with the Father. The Father wants it with you. Whether you want it or not, no matter what you've done. And this story tells us that. And it's so easy to miss that the Father is just that good. Let's open our heart to this grace because we are a church who tells everyone everywhere about Jesus. That's what we're about, connecting every life to Jesus, whether it's raining or snowing or the sun is out. That is what we're about, telling people about Jesus, telling people just how good he is. And it's scandalous because this message that Jesus told and that we try to tell over and over can be misunderstood. You mean I can go live however I want and God will forgive me? Yes. You mean I don't have to do all the good things and God still loves me? Yes. That's a risky message. But Jesus said there are all the religions in the world that said either do these rules. That's not how it works. You're lost because of what you've done? No, that's not how it works either. We serve a God who loves us and is different than all of that. Jesus came and said, I am providing the way. It is different than everything else and that he loves you. And I'm so thankful for that. Why don't you pray with me as we think about just how crazy it would be, just as crazy it would be to misremember the details about Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Cinderella. But we miss God's grace. Let's not miss it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful day to gather in your name. We praise your name today and pray that you would open up our minds, open up our hearts, 
to see that grace that you give us over and over and over again. Thank you for running after us no matter where we are. In Jesus' name.